0: Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. We are continuing to make our way through the Gospel of John, looking at the the life, the ministry, the teachings, the miracles, miracle today, that we're going to look at, the miracles of Jesus Christ, recorded in this Gospel of Mark. Mark, chapter 5. And now, Lord, as we go into your Word, would you once again speak to us? Many of us, Lord, have read through this passage more times than we know, and yet it seems like every time I study through this or read through it or preach on it, uh, I learn something more. I thank you that that is how it is with your Word, that you reveal things to us that by your holy spirit that that we did not see the first time through so would you speak to us again today we commit ourselves to you before your word and we ask your blessing on this as we ingest it into our into our spirits into our minds into our hearts in jesus name amen we began looking last week we began looking at this one man's story and he was a man Sometimes we, we look at the title that he had, we call him the demoniac of Mark chapter 5, or sometimes he's referred to as the Gerasene demoniac. But he was a man, he was a man with an evil spirit, with a demon spirits living within him. He was possessed by demonic spirits. Because he was possessed by these spirits, he was out of control. They controlled him, he was out of control, and consequently he was out of his mind. People tried controlling him. They, It says in the early verses of chapter 5 that they would put chains on him, on his hands, on his feet, maybe chain him to a wall, but it said that he kept breaking every chain, every shackle that was placed on him. And he would tear them off, and not only would he tear off his chains, it, 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 he apparently also would tear off any clothing that was placed on him. Luke's Gospel records that he was, he was naked, that he wore no clothing, which must have been shocking, which tells us that he was a man who was not even hardly self-aware. He would cut himself with sharp stones, it says here. He screamed, moaned, wailed night and day. Strangely enough, he lived in a cemetery, he was surrounded by death. He was the tomb dweller of Gerasim. The Gospel of John, in another place in the in the in the Word of God, the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking, and he said, "Satan kills and steals and destroys." And I don't know if Jesus was thinking about this man when he said that in John chapter 10, verse 10, but but this man is a a graphic example of Satan's destructive power. This maniac who lived in the cemetery on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He was beyond caring, and others, I'm sure, believe that that he was beyond hope. I'm sure that they had written him off. I mean, you can only chain a guy so many times and he keeps tearing him off. but You, just, you can only clothe him so many times and he tears off good clothing before you just give up on him. And I, I think that they had. They had given up on him. Crazy man who lives up in the cemetery. Verse 6 reads this way. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. That was really the center uh, verse for what we looked at last week. Again, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. We know from later on that the demons were terrified of him, but the man knew that there was something in Jesus. And he comes and he runs to Jesus and he falls before him. And while I don't think that he knew it at that moment, his deliverance had begun. Because, you see, deliverance always begins at the feet of Jesus. Deliverance always begins at the feet of Jesus. Some of you can look at your own lives and remember back to a time in your own life, and and, and you too can affirm that very central fact. Deliverance always begins at the feet of Jesus. There were some of you last week, many of last week, that gathered around these altars, and and, and I believe that that there were many in in other places where you knelt down before God, maybe literally on your knees, or, or you were broken before God in a devotional time or a time of prayer maybe on the way home or later on that day or, or sup, some point during this week when you, you realize, I, I just need to come clean and I need to be broken before him. And, and you've fallen, figuratively speaking, you've fallen at the feet of Jesus and you've said, Lord, you're the only one that can help me. And I thank God for that. And some of you may be thinking, yeah, but the problem's still there. Well, I said it begins at the feet of Jesus and it continues at the feet of Jesus, but sometimes that restoration process takes a while, but But God is doing a work. I want to be very clear on something. Back to this man for a moment. I want to be very clear on something. This wounded and deeply disturbed tomb dweller did not need a sedative or a psychologist or shock treatment. No amount of big chains or little pills or family interventions would have fixed this man. I'm not saying that those things, all of them or some of them, are bad. I am saying that looking at this man's story, there were certain things that nothing, nothing was going to help him. Nothing was going to fix this man. It was going to be only at the feet of Jesus that this man found his deliverance. There were some things, there are still some things that only Jesus can fix more than we realize. And so often, when, when, if we don't trust that Jesus can fix them, then we try and fix them with something else. Or we try to cope with something else. How many people? How many people are right now, they're controlled by something, and instead of finding deliverance at the feet of Jesus, they just try and cope with it. They try to manage it. They try to fix it themselves. And they wonder why it just gets worse and worse and worse. Why it never, they wonder why it never gets better, because deliverance begins at the feet of Jesus. Verse 7 reads this way, he shouted at the top of his voice. Now remember, he's at the feet of Jesus, and he's, he's close, but he's shouting. <laughs> he shouts at the feet, he's, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Come out of this man, you evil spirit, Jesus said to him. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. I want you to look at this this text here for a moment The demons were very fearful of torture. It it, it indicates here that they were fearful of being sent away. In Luke's gospel, again, Luke um, adds some things. It doesn't contradict, but it adds some things that are not recorded here in Mark's gospel. In Luke's gospel, he records that the demons said or begged Jesus, please do not send us into the abyss, which is another word for hell. And I point that out from Luke's gospel because I want you to understand that Satan and his demons know, knew then and know now what is ahead of them. It's important that you understand that. That Satan isn't like hoping for you know, a way out uh, of judgment. He's not, he knows that that time is coming. But what he doesn't know is he doesn't know when. The demonic, fallen angels demonic spirits also know that judgment awaits them. That at some point in history, it's all going to end. I believe it could be very, very soon. Glory to God, bring it on. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But it could happen very, At some point in the future, judgment is going to come to Satan and to his evil horde. So here's what, I'm, here's, here's what we think is happening here. These demons, who are within this man, see Jesus. they knew who he was. in fact, the demons knew things about Jesus that even the disciples didn 't know at this point point. and the, the demons who are in this man said you know they they 're they're, they're begging him again again it it says, uh, uh, swear to God that you won 't torture me and, and 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 then they they asked him not to send them. Luke's gospel into the abyss it it was almost as if the the demons in this man thought their time was up like like oh is it time for judgment already he's here the time has arrived now I point that out I want you to see that those verses and understand that background and what is ahead I want you to understand that I want you to see that Uh, uh, because uh, I want you to see their fear of Jesus and their submission to Jesus, because this morning, if you are walking with Christ, if the Spirit of Jesus Christ is within you, then you do not need to be afraid of nor intimidated by Satan. Let me say that again. If Jesus is dwelling within you, If you have surrendered your life to Him, then you have no need to be afraid of nor intimidated by Satan. Because Jesus is dwelling within you. Satan and his demons are themselves terrified. Not of you, but of Him who is within you. A lot of times people say, oh boy, that... Boy, that that demonic, that person, they're demon-possessed. I don't even want to be around that. Or or satanic uh, power, that just puts fear into me. If you're living for Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, don't be afraid. Greater is he, Jesus, who is within you than he, Satan, who is within this world. Now, that being said, if you don't have Jesus living within you, well, then be very afraid because you're not stronger than the demon. You're not stronger than the satanic power that is operating in this world. But if Christ is in you, you have no need to be terrorized by Satan. It says here that Jesus asked the demon its name. The demons replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Let me explain that. The word, uh, the word Legion really indicates more number. Than the name, Um, a Roman legion at that time would have numbered in the thousands. Around five thousand was was a Roman legion. So we're talking a large number, a lot of a lot of people in a Roman legion. So so we know that it's more than just one or two demons, but there are perhaps even thousands of demons within this man. I mean, this guy was a wreck, but it only takes one. But there were thousands dwelling within this person. I point that out because that would have made no, you know, I don't know why the, we don't know exactly why Jesus asked the question because on no other occasion did Jesus ask a demon possessed person what the name of the demon was. On this occasion, he did. The demon says, we are legion. Now, you know, I don't think that would have bothered Jesus at all. I don't think Jesus was, I know that Jesus was not intimidated in the least because even if all of the satanic horde, if every demon ever created were within this man, this was Jesus that they were dealing with. And all of their power combined could not equal the, even one word from the person of Jesus Christ. Again, there's power in our Lord and Savior. This was Jesus, the Son of God that they were dealing with. Look at verse 11. It reads this way. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. I love it. It says... Jesus gave them permission. You see, he was in charge. Jesus was in charge here. Jesus did not enter into negotiations with this, this demon, these demon spirits. He didn't cut a deal with them. He didn't say, all right, by this time tomorrow you're out. He didn't say, I want one-third out today, one-third out the next day, and one-third the last day. He didn't go like that. It se- simply says, and he gave permission. Now, wouldn't you love to know how he did that? Here's how I think he did it. I think he just went like that. This was Jesus that they were dealing with. This was the Son of God. This was the one present at creation. He's the second person of the Trinity. And again, I point this out, that if you also have surrendered your life to Christ, again, if He is dwelling within you, then in His name, you have the authority to do what Jesus did. Now, it's important that you you, you hear that and you understand that. If Jesus Christ is dwelling within you, if you have surrendered your life to Him, then you have the God-given authority in His name to do what he did. The very last, we won't, we won't read it, you won't, you won't see it on the screen, but we'll get to it eventually. The very last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus was sending out his disciples. He'd prepared them for three years, he'd instructed them, he'd equipped them. A few days later, he would give them his Holy Spirit, he would fill them with his Spirit and But he he gives them some marching orders. And among the things that Jesus said, um, among the things that he said would happen, Jesus said this, these signs or these indicators, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. That is there for a reason. In his name, In the name of Jesus, we have as followers of Jesus Christ, when encountering demonic powers, we have the authority in His name to dismiss those, to give them permission, to tell them you must leave. Glory to God. Now some of you are thinking, I could never do that. You can do that if Jesus is in you. You can do that. In fact, you should do that. You should do it you should be used of the lord you see the the holy spirit dwelling within us especially if we're filled with the holy spirit there have been occasions where some of you can recount you come upon someone and and the spirit the spirit of god within you all of a sudden kind of goes into hyper overdrive and you're going man there's something not right here i'll tell you what that is it's probably a demonic spirit in that other person well you don't you know here's here's what you don't do Man, where is that pastor's number? Call the church quick. Now, now I, I've been involved in this, and, and I could, but you know, it, it, it's, it, you have the authority in Jesus' name to do that. You have the authority to lay hands on that person and say, Demon spirit in the name of Jesus, leave. You have that authority. It says, it says that Jesus gave permission, <laughs> don't know exactly how he did it, he gave permission. And the demons fled. I think they were happy to get away. Well, we got out of this one. Judgment is just delayed a little bit longer. It says, The demons fled. They left the the man, and they entered the pigs. large herd of pigs nearby. As soon as that happened, again, wouldn't this be something to see? Uh, As soon as it happened, Jesus gave permission. The demons, without any hesitation, left that man, just (laughs) out of him. Into the herd of pigs, the pigs I mean, the pigs were just I mean one minute, one minute, they're just they there munching some grass or whatever, digging up some roots or something. And, and, and the next moment they absolutely, they're consumed by demons. The, the pigs can't handle it. The pigs go berserk. And the entire herd of pigs, the Bible says, the entire herd of pigs rushed down the hillside into the sea, and every one of them were drowned. What a sight! I was looking at this and I went, you know what they did? They went hog wild. I mean, it was something else. <laughs> I've said this before; I'll say it again. This is the first occasion of Devil ham, right there. I thought of others. I'm not, but there's a lot there. But I, can you imagine this sight? What, a, what a, a view this must have been. What a, what, the people who were herding the pigs, I mean, they're just like, it. And all of a sudden, the pigs start squealing. He sees this group of people over there, but he's herding the pigs. And all of a sudden, the pigs just go nuts, and they rush down the hillside, and he's just watching it happen. What were people thinking? No, it must have been an amazing thing to see what happened to the pigs But don't let what happened to the pigs distract you from what happened to the man. Because it was the appearance of the man that I think was most amazing. Because in a moment, in a moment, faster than Jesus could quiet a storm just a few hours before with three words, just as fast as that, maybe even faster. That spiritually terrorized man was completely, in a moment, in a millisecond, completely set free. Glory to God. Verse 14 reads this way. Those tending the pigs ran off. Yeah, no kidding. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. Probably to the owners of the pigs, right? And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. Notice this man. Here it describes him in part. I'd like to actually get a view of him. It would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? It says he was dressed, and in his, we don't know how long it took for the, the pig herders to run into town, get the people, maybe maybe within an hour, not very long. By that time they come back, someone has found some clothing for him. and put it on him. And I point that out, because it says he was dressed. Listen, what Jesus does on the inside of a person is often seen on the outside of a person. In other words, there was a, there was an apparent change. There was a, a visible change. Some people didn't recognize him. He had clothes on. Some people didn't recognize him because his face, his demeanor was, was different. It says here he was in his, right mind. That doesn't mean he was left-brained. It says he was in his correct. He was he was thinking correctly. He was self-aware, because here's what I think he. Well, as soon as the demons left, he went. Oh my goodness! I'm, I'm naked. Oh, what, what are all these cuts on me? Why am I, what, what why am I in this, in this cemetery? He was self-aware. He had a clarity. The terrified look that I'm sure was in his eye was gone. He talked instead of screamed. That day, he moved out of the cemetery and he was no longer from that day forward surrounded by death. You ever see before and after pictures? person, they look a certain way. Time passes and you see the after picture. I tell you, no one can do before and after pictures like Jesus. No one can do before and after pictures like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 was was written to a, a body of believers, a group of believers, a church, in the city of Ephesus many years after this. And what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the church in Ephesus, I don't think that Paul was necessarily thinking of this man on this occasion. But what he did write essentially describes what this man and others were before Christ. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2 you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were, you were surrounded by death. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and, this is referring to Satan, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is the, this is the before picture. This is the, the before picture of any person outside of Jesus Christ, but it could have very aptly described this man who's living among the tombs or who had lived among the tombs this man who is now said this describes him how he was this this man was dead in his transgressions and sins he 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 used to the, the ways in which he used to live when he, when he when he gave himself to the enemy when when whatever it was caused these demons to come in whatever he had surrendered to this was his way of life he he had yielded himself to the kingdom of the air to the spirit who's at work in those who are disobedient to God. That's the before picture. In fact, that's the before picture of a lot of people. They're out of control. They've not yielded themselves to Jesus. They've yielded themselves to something, and what they don't realize is, in yielding themselves to anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, they've essentially yielded themselves to the enemy. That's what happens. If you're not submitted to Jesus Christ, you're submitted to something or someone else. It's important you hear that again. If you have not submitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're submitted to, and you think you're submitted to yourself. You're not. You're submitted to something or someone else. That's the before picture. But listen to this. Here's the, here's the better part. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, describes the after picture. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. I like that last line. Made us alive with Christ. That's what happened to this man on that hillside on the the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus made this man alive in Christ. I, I wish we could take the time this morning to... I don't know with a photograph, I don't think that it would do justice, but to, to talk about some of your before and after pictures, because some of you have some real spiritual before and after pictures. Think of, think of where some of you were when you had not yet su- submitted your life to Christ. Think of some of the, the bondages that you, that you faced, some of the life-controlling things that were, that were just, just jerking you around in your, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. But then Jesus came in, and the the picture now is completely different. Glory to God. He, only Jesus, no one like Jesus can do before and after pictures like him. Some of you have great before and after stories how Jesus transformed you from where you were to where you now are. And there are others who are right now... I, I want to give you some, some hope. I, I want to I give you some encouragement right now. Some of you are looking at your own lives right now and you're thinking, ah, God, can even God do anything do? Can, can even God do anything with this mess? And, and without hesitation, without any reservation, I say absolutely. Jesus can take you where you are and take you to a place you never thought you could become. Only in Him. Power in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I'll give you a small example of this. Um, About a 100 years ago, first decade of the 20th century, a great move of God, a real, I guess you would call it a spiritual climate change, happened in the nation of uh, Wales, that small little country just to the the, uh, west of England on the British Isles great move of God was happening. Spiritual climate change was, was taking place. It came to this nation. Um, tens of thousands of people came into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, and their lives were dramatically changed, right? Because it was, it was obvious that their lives, had, that Jesus had done something because their lives changed. Now, Wales is a coal mining country, very big in coal mining, and many of those whose lives were transformed were coal miners, Yet, in the months following um, their conversion, in the months following this tremendous move of God, um, the work in the coal mines was diminished, which seemed kind of contrary because now many of them were showing up for work. They weren't hung over. <laughs> they, they weren't running off. and, and they, they were, In fact, they were working harder, but the coal production had gone down, and they couldn't understand it. It, it was taking more time to remove the same amount of coal, and the owners of the mines couldn't understand why. Finally, they they realized what had happened. Finally, they they realized the small mules that were used to pull the coal carts had become accustomed to being commanded by the curses and the swearing of the miners. But when the miners came to Jesus, he began began changing everything about them, including their language, and, and, and the mules weren't responding the way that they had become accustomed. Glory to God. Listen, when Jesus transforms a person, even the mules see the difference. Glory to God. You understand, Jesus does not just change your eternal destination, he changes your life. It's not that I've been rerouted from hell to heaven. Thank God that He does that. But there's more than that. He changes your life right now. I like what one guy said. He said, Jesus turned water into wine. He did even better for me. He turned booze into groceries when I came to Jesus. He turned sinners into saints. And and, and, and it's not always like that. Sometimes it takes time, but he continues to change us. Thank God that when when he saved me and when he saved you, he didn't just say forward to heaven instead of going to hell. He changed my life. I'm I'm a different husband and father friend than I would have been had I never come to Jesus he changes us people he changes us some of you some of you he desires to change no excuse me let me, let me rephrase that. All of us, he desires to change. Some of you need to allow him to do so. Well, this man was set free. He was set free. In fact, verse 18 tells us, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I want you to see. I remember Jesus, Jesus was... Uh, Jesus was uh, there for just a short time. He, had probably, he and the disciples had probably been blown off course by the storm in the end of the previous chapter. They probably had not intended to go to this region, but God had a plan, and uh, uh, Jesus had a plan, and Jesus knew that there was a man on that shore that we n- would have never met, and so we're going to go there. And, we're, and So the man's changed. He gets back in the boat. Probably go back to the original destination. But this man responds. He gets into, as Jesus gets into the boat, the man, now formerly demon-possessed man, begged to go with Jesus. And I get that. I totally understand that. He wanted to become one of Jesus' disciples. That's understandable. We sang the song earlier this morning, I Want to Be Close, Close. This guy could have written it. I mean, as I'm listening to this song this morning, I'm thinking, the demon possessed, he didn't write it, but he could have. Listen to this. I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want. This is a man who had heard voices, but he he says this. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world and hating the dark. He'd been in the darkness so he hated it now. I want to see dry bones living again, singing as one hallelujah. (laughs) The mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee at the mention of the name King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I Am. That's the, that's the Savior we serve, people. And this man, he wanted to become a part of this. So he's, he's begging Jesus, he's asking Him, he says, can I, can I come with you? Can I be a part of this? He begged to go with Him. But verse 19, Jesus said this, did not let him, it's, Jesus did not let him, but He said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, that's a region, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This man, what we, little we know of the rest of his story, we know this, he went home. And he told his family, I'm sure he did that because that's what Jesus told them to do. But here's what I also think happened. And then anyone who would listen, he told them what Jesus had done for him. Anybody who would listen, everyone he could speak to, he would tell them, listen, this was my before picture, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. He told them what Jesus He told them what Jesus had done for him, but he also told them what Jesus could do for them. Now, this is very important. Listen carefully. It's one thing to tell someone what Jesus has done in you. But we need to take it a step further and tell people what Jesus can do for them because they're facing some things that are life-controlling. Now, did everyone listen to this man? Of course not. Some rejected him. Some shook their head and said, you're still crazy. But I know some did, because some remembered who he was before, what he'd become, the demon-possessed man, and they saw a marked difference. Now they, could, they, they saw the restoration. See, some did. I'm thinking that some of his family became followers of Jesus Christ. Perhaps someday we will meet them in heaven. But some did. You see, it's hard to look, or rather hard to overlook, the changes done in a person who has been set free. See, I point this out in this this last text here, verses 19 and 20 that you see before you. It's very important that you see those. Because that's really where many of us are. Fellow believer, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you have no need to fear nor be intimidated by the enemy. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have the God-given authority to, when encountering spiritual forces, You have the authority to speak against them in the name of Jesus. But fellow believer, there are also people you know who are bound by something. Not just demons, but bound by something. Something is controlling their lives, whether they'll acknowledge it or not. But deep down, they want to be free. They don't know yet that only Jesus can set them free. But you and I have a holy, holy responsibility to do what Jesus told this man to do. Go home to your family. Go to those people who are close to you. Tell them what Jesus has done in your life do the people around you know what Jesus has done in your life the people that you work with the people that you are closest with your friends the people that you regularly connect with that that partner in a business that classmate in a in a school do they know what Jesus has done in your have you told them have you simply told them man let me tell you my story I used to be bound by this. The enemy used to just have a heyday in my life because of this. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. You just share with him. Have you done that? Can you do it? Will you do it? May we be so connected to Jesus, so delivered by him, so full of his Holy Spirit, that if we are called upon to cast out demons or to simply share our story, bringing the message of Jesus to see people delivered of all kinds of things, can we be so full of Jesus, so connected to him, that we will do so at a moment's notice? We won't have to confess a bunch of things. Well, I'd like to share, but i got these things in my... No. Can we be so connected to Him that we've already done all of that, that we're walking with Him, that we're full of His Holy Spirit, that we share? We don't have to fast and pray for two weeks. That's good. Fasting and praying is good, but we don't have to first do that but when we encounter the demonic or when we encounter a lost person who's bound by something. We'll be able to speak truth into that person's life. We won't have to call anyone else, that trusted friend or a pastor or a teacher or life group leader. We won't have to contact them. We'll, we'll just in that moment know, God, you put me here for such a time as this. Maybe you even blew, my, blew me off course a little bit and put me here. I never planned to be here, but here I am. And here's a person who's in bondage. And glory to God, I have the key. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Go home and tell your family Go home. And tell the loved ones around you. Go back to school. Don't stay here. These, these altars are going to be open here in a few moments, but, but don't just stay here and say, I just love it here. I just love the presence of God. It's never this, we, don't, we, we don't have housing accommodations here. We'll kick you out eventually. It'll, be, it'll take a while, but eventually we'll leave this place. And 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 go back to your school. Go back to your work. Go go back to that place. Go back to that coffee group. Go go back to that friend and, and take the message of Jesus, who sets people free. Would you bow your heads with? Me? thank you for this man's life, Lord. Someday we will meet him, and I look forward to it. Now, Jesus, as we, in a few moments, some gathering around this platform, or gathering around these altars, rather, others making their way out, Lord, eventually when we all leave, we're going to go someplace. A restaurant, a school, a home. We're going to encounter people in bondage. There are thousands. Thousands just within a, a few miles of this spot. We're going to encounter them. We're going to encounter them. May we be ready, Lord, in that moment. May your Holy Spirit bring these words back to our hearts. And may we in that moment do what this man did. told anybody and everybody what Jesus had done for him and what Jesus could do for them. So, Lord, would you empower us? I know that you you will. That's why you gave us your Holy Spirit. So maybe I shouldn't pray, Lord, will you empower us? Because I know that you will. Would you would you give us a kick in the pants, Lord, to get us out there to do what you've called us to do? To not give in to the fear of man, wondering what they'll think of us. To not give in to the fear of sharing you to not give in to the fear of what might happen to us may we not give in to those fears but rather in faith may we do what you've called us to do thank you lord i thank you for the before and the after pictures that are represented here with your head bowed please continuing in prayer, I, I want to pause for just a moment. Is there anyone here who uh, you 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 are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ? You've not yet surrendered your life to Him? Um, or perhaps you you feel like you, you may have remembered something, but it's been so long since you've been really close with Him, and it's almost as if you just want to say, I, Lord, I, I want to come back to You. If that's you right now, with no one looking around, would you just Lift up your hand and lift up your eyes and catch my eye. I want to pray with you. Is anyone here that would just do that and say, Yeah, that's me. I, I want to pray with you, Pastor. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Back. Is there, is there anyone else? Looking at the balcony. Is there anyone? Anyone else here on the main floor? Thank you. Right here. Thank you. A couple of persons raised their hand. Let's just pray right now. Lord Jesus. I, and, and just 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 pray this, just pray this real quietly to yourself. Just, just pray this. And if you pray it in faith, believing, then God's gonna, then He's gonna welcome you back. Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. this. Lord, come into my heart and forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you. I want to be completely yours. I can't fix myself. I can't mend myself. But you can. Thank you, Jesus, for changing The very deepest part of me. Thank you for saving me this day. Thank you for the change that is beginning right now that will not end but will continue. Help me to tell someone else what you've done in my life. Thank you, Jesus. That prayer. I want to talk with you following the service. I'm going to be in the foyer. I'd like everyone to stand. Would you please? Would you stand across this room? I want to be close, close to your side. Can we sing this again? Powerful truth. We're going to get to a certain part. Oh, and by the way, let me just say this. You know what? You are absolutely free and invited to lift up your hands.